Annyeong SAO! Welcome to Afternoon Delight, where Leah, Megan, and Amy, romance novelists and your K-Romance guides. So grab some deck bokey and listen to your new favorite unease. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi there. So I have two things to talk about tonight. Which we've been waiting on because you teased us and we want to know what it is. I did tease you. But before I get to that, I wanted to give you a rundown because I feel like now everyone's on tenterhooks with what do I eat for dinner? Oh, yeah. Anyway. What was it? Yeah. What what were you just... I saw the Chobani. I know what Chobani is, but I don't know what came before the Chobani. I did have some Chobani. I had a stick of feta cheese. I had a bowl of stovetop and then Chobani. Wait. (laughs) Did you have the? Did you put the feta in the stuffing? I did not. Or was just it, it stovetop? What like rice stuffing? What just chicken stuffing? Okay. You can just you can just raw dog feta. I just raw dog like a that hunk of feta. Then nuts. I poured some hot water into some. I just poured a bowl of dried like cereal like of uh, stuffing into a bowl and added some hot water, mixed it up, and I was so excited to tell you guys because I thought I would get this reaction of disgust. It's the feta, actually. I, mean, I like so feta. feta I like feta, but like I don't usually just like bite off a hunk of feta. I, I don't think so I. So I bought. It. So I work it's at this so university. Salty. So I work at the university, or not. Part of my plan is that I get like a meal points, and then we have like markets, and the markets were just closing. So I went in recently and just grabbed anything I could find, and the shelves were empty, and they had like pre wrapped little like pieces of feta. And yeah, I, like, I yeah, feel, I'll get some feta. I feel like your Wednesday night dinners are always, I grabbed anything I could find. <laughs> right? it, because I'm coming in at like 5.28 to start recording at 5.30 and I just like grab whatever is like closest to me. I almost put the stuffing into a tortilla, but that felt like a lot of carbs. Ah, that sounds delicious. That I does mean, sound yes, very carby. But it felt like I was like, I wasn't going to do any exercise after. Right? <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot of carbs for like an evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If I was hiking Mount Washington, it would be a different story. <laughs> right. Okay. So now I want to get to what I wanted to talk to you both about. So we decorate. I don't know. Well, Amy, I know you don't put up a Christmas tree at all. I do. I have a, I have a short, <laughs> oh, like, two-footer. I apologize. I apologize. No, I have a short two-footer okay. that I had to move. Like, So here's what I do. I, I put stuff on my dining room table. I have a little two-footer pre-lit Christmas tree that I bought some ornaments for. Then I have um, my, like, USB chargeable menorah. So, like, that stays out all the time. Um, And then I have um, just, like, this light-up star. And I light them up on the dining room table, and it's all cute, and I put all the presents there. Except my – one of my asshole cats just started eating the fake tiny two-foot tree yesterday. So I had to move that on top of a bookshelf. But, no, I, I I have Christmas lights in my living room, and I have my little tiny tree I, I thought when I put up the tiny tree because nobody was touching it, I thought, oh, maybe I can get a bigger tree next year. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I cannot. Well, Megan, when do you start decorating? Um, I usually decorate either the weekend after Thanksgiving or uh, or the very next weekend. I have mm. two trees. Um, so I have a tree that's like in my back family room. Um, that's like our bigger tree. And that has like all our ornaments. So I'm a big... I'm like one of those people that if I visit a place, I buy a Christmas ornament. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the ornaments on our tree are like from places we've traveled. So it like means a lot. Like, I love mm-hmm. and my kids do, too. They really look forward to like taking the ornaments out. And then we like talk about where we got them. Mm-hmm. And then I have another tree that goes in like my front living room that you can see from the street. And it's like my kind of like picture window. 
So this year, that is my cat tree, meaning that's where I put all our cat ornaments. But my cats fuck with all my stuff. Like they're the worst. My cats, they, my cats climb up the tree. That's what mine would bat do too. Out ornaments, and then my other ones are on the ground, ready to play with them. They like tag team, teamwork. Mm. They're assholes. But anyway, so that's so my cat actually is like remarkably uninterested in the tree. No, that's great. I mean, am I hearing everyone right that you all have artificial trees? Yes, I do. Okay, I do. So I do not. I'm not surprised. This has never been an issue until this year. So I usually get my tree the day after Thanksgiving, put it up, and then I have my my real tree smelling my real Christmas smells, living its best Christmas life. And it usually lasts me until like, you know, I usually take it down the first week of January. Never have I had an issue. This year, about 10 days ago, I started to be like, this tree feels funny to me something's wrong with this tree and then i started to be like i think this tree might be dying oh no and i don't know why because i water this tree i do fucking everything for this tree Mm -hmm. so i'm like maybe it's just in my head i don't know so nick's been gone nick comes home from being gone walks in the door from his like week-long work trip and he's like is the tree dying i was like fuck (laughs) i knew it i knew i wasn't crazy and like you touch the tree and the tree's just like snapping off like bits of it are breaking i'm like right like dry and brittle yes so i start googling like what do i do like can i resist like can i resuscitate this tree because it wasn't a water issue i was watering it so i think what happened is when they cut it Maybe like the sap like sealed the bottom so water wasn't actually coming up. <gasps> that like happens. something was fucked up. Yeah. So one thing I read is I read that there were two things you could do to bring back a tree. One was that you could drill holes in the side. So I uh-huh. instructed Nick to do that. Mm-hmm. Nick did do that. Although what was interesting to me was he drilled the holes and then I came home from work that day and was like, did the drill hole like happen? He said, yes, it did. And I felt in, I was like, whoa, it must have sucked up all the water because I don't feel any. He's like, oh, I didn't put any water in after. I was like, oh, so you just drilled the holes and just let it fucking breathe? Like, (laughs) help me understand. So so I gave the tree a drink. But here's the second thing. And this was the point and why I'm connecting it to the K-drama. It said to use a humidifier. So I dug out my humidifier. Oh my god, you had a hospital room for your tree. It still is going. And I have this tree on fucking hospice care with a humidifier going 24-7 next to it. Please take and a picture. I, oh my god, I love it That's so amazing. much. amazing. And it's working. It's the, <gasps> the tree is hydrating again. No and way. I think some of it is that it's pulling up water, but where. I can tell the humidifier is working because I've been making its way slowly around the tree and the areas of the tree I hadn't gotten to yet were really brittle and the areas that it's been on are supple. So I've just moved it like all the way around. So now I have a complete holistic, like it's all been humidified. Dude, I am fascinated that that works. I love it. I thought that once a tree, I guess you got it while it was still like wanting to suck up water. I think it was still like, I think I got it when it was like mostly It was still thirsty. It was yeah. like uh, the Princess Bride. It wasn't dead yet. It was mostly yeah. dead. Because <laughs> I have killed a tree. I've killed a tree. I mean, are we surprised? I've killed a tree. Right. And I basically, I didn't, I didn't give it enough water. And also that was back when my cats would drink the tree water, which is mm. also like poisonous. Yeah, that's not good. No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it was, it was bad. But we uh, stopped getting a real tree when um, Pennsylvania got 
infested with the lantern flies, which are like this invasive species, and people were bringing them into their house in the in their freaking trees. Mm. And so we were like, oh no, oh no. I mean, I've had like spider nests, spider web nests in trees before. I mean, a whole like the whole thing. And I like it. Like I love a real tree. Like don't get me wrong. I wish I still had the energy to do it, but I kill trees, Leah. And I don't know if I don't know that I would have. I like, have fought for this fucking tree. I know. I, I am, have fought hard for this <laughs> tree. So impressed. I'm so impressed that you're. I didn't. I never thought a humidifier. That is fascinating. Yeah, to that's, me that that. I'm works. super and impressed. I'm, I want to. I want a picture though of I this will. tree with its little. Is, humidifier. I was like K drama and and I was like this checks out K drama. Yeah. It saves the day. This this humidifier is going to save the day. I was a little nervous, and within six hours, I was seeing a remarkable difference. And now I walk in my house, and my house smells like a pine tree again. <gasps> right, like this I love tree, it. It's like I smell. caught it before it died, and mm. this humidifier is everything. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, K drama. Thank you, K dramas. <laughs> you <laughs> saved so Christmas, K dramas. <laughs> I mean, I was so fucking stressed. I've been having like a lot of work stuff going on. Nothing topples the stress I was having over this tree. Cause I'm like, if the oh. tree is dead at Christmas, this feels like a bad omen. Yeah. And that means that I'm going to have to like, what, get another tree before right. Christmas? In like the next two down, days? Put it up. Yeah. I was just like, right. what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Yeah. I, I think my tree was like dying on Christmas. Like the, the, like my kids would reach for a present and like half a branch, like the needles would just fall <laughs> off. Like it was, it was i think we 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 got rid of it like the like the morning after we were like we're done and tracked like a million needles throughout the house because it was it was pretty it was pretty bad so good on you because i did not i was just like well i guess it's done yeah no this was like cliffhanger i'm like i'm not letting you go tree (laughs) cliffhanger okay so before we pivot i have one last thing to say this is still december when we're recording obviously my tree is on hospice but i think it's got like a lease on life Mm -hmm. but right now number one in the entire country for audible oh my god is (gasps) amy pine number one number one book out of anything anything britney spears's memoir no no never heard of her never heard of her fourth wing no it's amy pine you, number one book number one number one on all of audible today that's freaking awesome today it hit number one that is amazing. So the top-selling audiobook in this entire country today is Amy Pine. Well-deserved. Congratulations. That is amazing. I'm very happy. I'm very, yeah. very happy. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm proud. I'm very proud of this book. So good. Thank you. Oh, and if you haven't so listened yet, it's called How to Lose a Guy Before Christmas. And it's on Audible Plus. And it shows that, listen to us more talking because we have number one audible bestsellers here on this podcast <laughs> and that people love romance so and it's a rom-com it's funny you guys yeah it's very funny and you write humor so well so i'm i'm so pleased thank you so here's my segue is amy is very popular today <laughs> and what else is popular is the trope we're talking about <gasps> nice yes. segue okay we are talking about Faded mates today. I'm so excited. And in case you aren't familiar with the term faded mates, it's a romance trope that basically means the love interests are faded or destined to be together. Some may call this, you know, soulmates. And we see it a lot in fantasy or paranormal series. A very memorable example for me, I hope for you too, would be Jacob imprinting not on Bella Swan in Twilight. (laughs) 
but on the baby in her womb who ends up being the half-human, half-vampire, Renesmee. Well, first the egg. I know, I know. It is. I I wasn't going to get all into it. Yes, he... Supposedly doesn't imprint until she's an embryo, but he has this intense like for Bella, which we realize is really the like for her egg that is yet to be fertilized by Edward Cullen. So, yes. And he is destined to love her more than he could love anyone on whom he didn't imprint. He just, you know, has to wait for her to grow up. (laughs) Luckily for him, those half vamps grow pretty quickly. I, I mean, that's one that I will never, ever be over is the... And they grow quickly physically. I know. Well, maybe, may, maybe emotionally. I don't know. She They Fuck develop that. quickly. And the CGI of the way she develops... Is so creepy. It's, it's beyond terrifying. creepy. It's terrifying. Yeah. We've come a long way with CGI since then. Anyway, let's start with our thoughts on the trope. Love it. Hate it. Meh. Where does it rate in your ranking of favorite tropes? So for me, I like it, but with a few caveats. I like it, but I like it as a slow burn. I also like it when it comes with a side of insta-love, but I still want it to be a slow burn. Like maybe there's like they catch feels quickly, but I don't want any consummation to happen quickly with Faded Debates. Like I want it to be on like, if it's a trilogy, I don't want it to be to like the end of book two. That, like, anyone's even touching lips to each other. Like, I like to be edged through my entire Faded Mates experience. I agree with that. Yeah, I love it. It's one of my absolute favorites. Uh, I love, love, love Insta-love. Like, (laughs) I really, truly do. Well, I guess I would say more, I would call it Insta-lust. I like Insta-lust. So I like it when, you know, I don't know, the air in the room changes when so-and-so walks in. Like, I want a noticeable point of like contact uh but i'm also like leah i want to really be edged like i i want i want there to be like longing uh draw it out i actually am a really big fan of even like a quick like one night stand but then edge me for a while so which doesn't really usually happen in paranormal romance but still or faded mates um but yeah it's it's one of my favorites i love it i love it same i love it so much and i'm so excited that we're talking about it today this was like just yeah i was super excited Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah love it love it love it love it um have you ever written faded mates so faded mates is literally all i've written for the last three years it's it's the entire point of my books that i write under ella maven which i know i've talked about those books a lot but i'm not sure if i ever actually described the world so i'm just gonna do it like really really quickly Basically, there's an alien species who lost all of their females due to a virus. And these human women have kind of been like trafficked to their planet. And they come from a matriarchal society. So they see these women and they're like, oh my gosh, we have to protect them. Like, uh, their mantra is she is all. Like, (laughs) clearly I am writing from a place where like I have women or women presenting people exalted. And basically uh, these these men find, or I'm sorry, these alien men uh, often find their fated mates in these human women. And they call them Korra Eternals because Korra in my world means heart. So it's like their forever heart. And when they find their fated mates, um, they, <laughs> how it works, which I don't even know, really, I don't remember how I came up with this. But um, if a human woman is injured by another creature, because obviously I have tons of like enemies on these planets, okay? Um, and draws her blood. If the man or if the male alien kills whoever drew her blood, that is like 
the cementing of the bond. Um, so he's always going to like avenge her, which is like really fun to write. Um, and then they develop what's called locks. I spell it L-O-K-S. And basically they have matching, uh, like magically they have matching golden wrist like tattoos almost that are that are gold in color they just kind of like magically appear and then they can feel each other's emotions in their heads usually represented in some sort of way um maybe it's like uh like a like a wave in their mind that um can change depending on how their mate is feeling and every single book i write has that and i know it sounds like it would be repetitive because i've written like 25 books with this but my readers absolutely love it and they can't wait when the locks are going to happen like they know it's going to happen and they're anticipating it and they're excited about it and i think that that is also a testament to romance like we know it's going to happen we know it's faded mates and they're going to end up together but like it's the rush of like endorphins and serotonin and everything that we get from it i love that that's awesome i have never written a faded mates i realized as i sat down and looked i have none not one. Well, you write <laughs> and very. I, I like. You. Yeah, and you write very contemporary. Right? Have you written a paranormal? Mm-hmm. But you can do like so. You my can. example you is can. contemporary, and like we're gonna get more into it with K dramas and stuff. But like when I wrote this question, I didn't realize that I kind of just did write a faded mates, and that was with the holiday book that we were just talking about, the Audible book. And it happens in very contemporary ways. And, and this is not a spoiler. It's in like the back cover blurb of the book. But the hero and the heroine meet on Thanksgiving when they they both like match on a hookup app and they have a one night stand. And then she ghosts him for reasons. And then when, you know, when she's snowed in in Chicago and she's supposed to be going home to the Twin Cities for the holidays, um, she ends up finding this rideshare app where you can, you know, somebody who's going the same direction will come and pick you up. And so she swipes on this rideshare app and goes and gets in the car outside her apartment and it ends up being the same guy. That's like a little, you know, tiny little bit of Fate of Mates. But then um, something that I won't spoil, but I do something in the end that like totally like K-dramas it in there as far as the Faded Mates and a past connection that I thought was super fun. I love so, that. Yeah. Yeah, you and I, I think, well, we all of it. We've talked a little bit now about contemporary Faded Mates and about how well, we'll talk a little bit later, but K-drama. Well, that, I mean, yeah, K- that's K- why K-drama did does it right, man. K-drama inspired me to do it. I'd never done it before. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, I have this little thing I can do and I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. I did it. Yay. And it worked. Yeah. With the rule of romance being there has to be a happily ever after or happy for now, the challenge for the author is writing a compelling enough story that readers, although knowing the outcome, are still wondering, will they or won't they, as they journey toward that HEA? Does Faded Mates add an extra layer of challenge since we know these characters are destined to be together? How can a well-executed story still make the reader or viewer doubt all will end well? Okay, so yeah, I think I've already kind of like touched on this a little bit, but for me, I feel like it's the tension and that I'm invested. So I think also like, Faded mates they're going to end up to each other with each other isn't that big of a I mean in any romance we know that regardless of the mechanism of what it is they're going to end up together so I think for me again it's just like what's the tension then like what's the tension to the entire process and that's what's going to invest me and so um, you know one example I'm going to use that's not like a strict romance but you know we've talked about it a bit and we're in winter now so I'm going to go with it is uh, the 
Winter Night Trilogy by <sighs> Catherine Arden. So good. And we have a super slow burn between the God of Death slash a frost demon and a very powerful witch who's kind of like coming, learning that she, who she is, and then coming into her power through like the course of the books. And there, I would say there's an element of faded mates to their story yes. for mm-hmm. sure. And mixed up within it is like much exasperation on his behalf, which like keeps it very fun and interesting because like he's constantly like, I'm coming through the <laughs> through the shades of time to like save you and some like annoying thing you've gotten up to only for her to be like, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want and like go do something else. And he's constantly like, ah, and like that dynamic is very enjoyable to me. Like I really love an exasperated hero and a heroine that does whatever the fuck she wants. So like those kind of things, like if you add that personality to a faded mates, I feel like that's what makes it fun. So yeah, it's just going to depend on like what you're doing with the characterization to it to add the tension. And that's going to make the relationship dynamic interesting to me. Yeah, I I really like when you know that they're faded mates, but then fate is also conspiring against them. Like, you know, they're destined to be together, but there are more powerful circumstances keeping them apart. Um, you know, like one lives in North Korea and one lives in South Korea, you know, <laughs> there's, it, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, geographical, it could be magical, but I, that's what I really like is when, you know, these people desperately want to be together, find a way to be together, cannot be together. Yeah. My favorite part of Faded Mates is when the characters have to like grapple with that destiny, like that to me is, is a big part of the tension that's always created because they don't always agree with fate at first and i kind of always like that like sometimes you have faded mates that are thrust together and they're like really like you're my faded mate that doesn't make sense (laughs) and i i Mm -hmm. i like that i like that because that also creates like tension too because you're like well how are they going to um kind of uh, come to an agreement and i you know and i but then i like the ways that that they then discover oh fate was right like we really were meant to be together and these are the reasons i like a good faded mate story that shows how they're they're better together than they are apart that they're good they're a good team they're good partners and to me faded mates always work best or usually work best when there are like big external forces pulling them apart which is what um i think both of you said uh, and and maybe that's what draws me to Faded Mates in the first place, because I'm not, you know, I think you've listened, if you listen to this podcast, you know that m- massive, like, kind of, like, internal strug- struggles where that, like, takes up a, ma- a major part of the plot is never going to be my favorite. And I don't think there's anything. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. and, and again, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not, like, my cuppa. And so I kind, so I like it when there's uh, i'm very into us versus the world not in a bonnie and clyde way like i don't want (laughs) that that type but um like hunger games when it's kind of like Peta and katniss like against everyone um which maybe isn't like the best example of a great romance but that's just what i thought of (laughs) like you know i really really love that it's always going to be something that um is like that's that's definitely catnip to me So we will touch on this more in the spoiler section, but as mentioned before, Faded Mates is most prevalent in paranormal and fantasy stories. But K-dramas have shown us that fate or destiny can play a role in contemporary realistic stories as well. Can you think of any Western romance examples of Faded Mates in a contemporary setting? 
So I really like the movie. It's been a long time since this is out. It's probably like 15 or 20 years, but it's the movie Serendipity with John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. And it's also like a holiday movie too, which, so it's a fun time of year to to watch it because I think... I think it starts out with somebody buying a Christmas present. But so here's the movie blur, because like I said, it's been years since I watched it. On a magical night when they are in their 20s, Jonathan, John Cusack, meets Sarah, Kate Beckinsale. He finds it love at first sight. So we've got the insta love. But Sarah believes in destiny. So this isn't in the blur, but I remember she uh, she writes her, I think she writes her phone number on like a, a bill, like a, I don't know if it's a $20 bill or whatever, and then pays for something with it. And basically says, if it comes back to you and you find me, we're meant to be together. Listen. <laughs> and so the rest of the movie is, so after 10 years, the two with 3,000 miles between them must decide if fate wants them to be together again. Um, when love feels like magic, it is called destiny. When destiny has a sense of humor, it is called serendipity. And so he, I mean, he has been thinking about her for the past decade. Um, and I do remember we find her in the present day and she's like engaged. Um, so, you know, you wonder, has she given up on, you know, him finding her type of thing? But he like basically is looking for this thing with her number or her address or whatever it is, her last name. See, I don't remember, folks. It's been a long time. I obviously haven't seen this movie in a really long time. But I liked it. Um, and I thought it was a really good example of, you know, are we really meant to be together kind of thing. And uh, it's fun. And it's a rom-com. And that's where rom-com versus real life is different because that's a charming story presence. And if somebody did that in real life, I would fucking <laughs> fuck the, be like, good day to you, sir. Um, so I went with Time Traveler's Wife, yes. which is a book. It's also a show. The book is way better than the movie. But, you know, you said movie, so I'm going with the Eric Mana version of the movie. I don't think I said it had to be a movie. I said just a contemporary story. Oh, okay. Just something Sorry, Western like contemporary. Show, show. So, yeah. So in this one, we have a Chicago librarian, Henry, who suffers from a genetic disorder that causes him to drift uncontrollably back and forth through time. And during one of these trips, he meets the love of his life, Claire, and they marry. But, you know, their normal life problems and complexities get multiplied because Henry is unable. He can't control when he's going to shift. And so he has an inability to remain in one time and place. So they're constantly out of sync. And her whole relationship with him has happened out of order because he keeps coming to her at different times that are linear to him, but completely not linear to her. It's one of the best books. But yeah, there's that faded element because he's always making his way back to her. I honestly could not think of one. And I'm, and I'm saying this instead of just like not speaking and like moving on to the next question. It's be, and truly Western, the only ones I could think of, they die at the end. I could only think of ones where like Western fucks, fucks it up at the end. And it makes me so irritated. And it's one of the reasons, like, for a very long time, I didn't really watch anything Western romance related, because I think I was just let down so many times that and and that's then I found K-dramas and I was like, well, this is what I've been missing. Well, don't watch Time Travelers. <laughs> I want. <laughs> no, it's so good. Look, actually, it's so look, good. it doesn't fuck it. It doesn't fuck it up. And there's actually a love. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's just like, all you know, to me. <sighs> Yeah, I just had I just had trouble, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna mention Nicholas Sparks. So you know, I just <laughs> ran out of stuff to think about. No, I get it, I get it. 
So do you have any favorite like books or movies that feature Faded Mates? So we're going any genre here now. So I'm going to jump in first with Outlander, the Outlander series, which, look, this is a bit of a funny one for me because I was like very into Outlander. I have not, I've fallen out of the series for a host of reasons I won't talk about right now. But so I have not finished where we go. But for like books one through five, I was pretty all in. And Outlander, I think, is a really good example of Faded Mates because we have the main character, Claire, married in her contemporary, which was like post-World War II, on her honeymoon, travels through stones back to um, the Jacobite riots in Scotland and falls in love with a Scot who is her soulmate partner, who is foreshadowed at the very beginning of um, of the books where her husband looks out the window before they're separated and sees like, or no, he's coming in. He sees like the, what he thinks is the ghost of a Scottish man looking in the windows and watching her brush her hair. So we see kind of like this, like foreshadowing that there's like this guy who's going to be the bigger love and what that means. But what I really, really want to talk about because it's the best and I love it so much is his dark materials, which is one of my favorite book series of all times. And it's the story. It's a young adult romance, faded mates, where that's the start of the golden compass right yeah i don't want to give away the end it's really beautiful and bittersweet yeah um and by the end and it just came out as a new show don't watch the nicole kidman movie that one is not good um the show that was on hbo max is reasonably good the books obviously are the best but the show hbo leans at least into the weirdness of the books a lot more but essentially the heroine is eve for lack of a better word. And so she's like the archetype of Eve for the universe. And the hero is a human boy from earth who falls in love with her. She's from a parallel universe earth. So this is all parallel universe stories and it's like a multiverse and this golden compass. And then something called this night, the subtle knife can, the knife can tear through the universe and the compass can show the way. And so it's these two people trying to figure out how to, um, if Amy, if you haven't read it, I haven't. Like, and I'm like, why haven't I? I have no idea why you haven't. It's oh my God. Beautiful and stunning and tragic and lovely. Okay. This is on my list right now. Okay. And so she grows up in Oxford, but it's not, it's not Earth's Oxford. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was going to say that. I love That sounds like an Amy universes. series. I figured you, I yes. figured Amy read it. Yeah. Yeah. And in the show, um, if you watch the show, Lin-Manuel Miranda's in it. Um, it's a, it's casted very well. So I'm going to mention two series. Um, both of these have author. <laughs> clearly, I, I like authors with distinctive voices, if you can't tell by these two. Um, the first is J.R. Ward, who, again, most one of the most distinctive author voices. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Black Dagger Brotherhood series, which is about a brotherhood of vampires and their fated mates who are a variety of humans, non-humans. At one point, one woman dies at the end and then he's still mated to her ghost. It's just like wild. Okay. This, the entire world that J.R. Ward has created is incredible. I did fall off of the series as well, just because there are a million books in this series. Um, and it just started to get a little unwieldy by like, I don't, I don't even know what book she's on now, but I will tell you, I binged, uh, the, the first like Black Dagger Brotherhood series, like a fiend. I just could not get enough. 
I knew everything about every character. Uh, I even, I looked up fan fiction of these characters. I was so into it. And then the second is the Fantasy Land series by Kristen Ashley. And so this is um, a parallel universe series. So there, I forget how many books are in it. Five, maybe. So what's interesting is that in each verse, there are doppelgangers. Or in each, yeah, in each parallel universe, there are doppelgangers. So when they get switched, uh, people, the other people around them think that they're like, the doppelganger and the doppelgangers have completely different personalities usually. And so they aren't like believed that, that they've been switched. So um like there's one where uh she switched and she's like betrothed to this King who hates her because he thinks she's her doppelganger who is like this spoiled bitch. <laughs> and so he hates her and she's like, so I'm, this is my life. I'm marrying this like gorgeous King of this like, beautiful like wintry palace kingdom and he hates my guts and she has to basically like win him over and also try to explain like i'm not the woman you think i am i just look like her um and it's interesting too because sometimes like i think her like fifth book then she hooks up like the other two doppelgangers in like modern world it's really really cool um I just, I love all the books. Um, I would say there's like some trigger warnings for sure on some of these books, just because they, they're definitely more, they can be more of a dark romance. Um, not too dark. Kristen Ashley never goes that dark. But um, yeah, I, I've, I love them. The first one, um, Golden Dynasty, is very much Call Drago fanfic. And their author has like said it. I mean, it is Call Drago. <laughs> and it is fantastic. <laughs> So I've got two fantasy series. Um, I think I've talked about this one before, uh, way back sometime in the pod. Um, but my absolute favorite series still to this day is the Daughter of Smoke and Bone series by Lainey Taylor. Um, and I will just, because, again, it's been like 10 years since I read it. I, I'm due for a reread. I'm going to read you just the blurb of book one because it sets it sets the story really well. Um about Karu and Akiva, who are our faded baits throughout the three books, and talk about a slow burn. Like, this is the slowest of slow burns, um, and so much keeping them apart. So, Daughter Smoke and Bone. Around the world, black handprints are appearing on doorways, scorched there by winged strangers who have crept through a slit in the sky. In a dark and dusty shop, a devil's supply of human teeth grown dangerously low. And in the tangled lanes of Prague, a young art student is about to be caught up in a brutal otherworldly war. Meet Karu. She fills her sketchbooks with monsters that may or may not be real. She's prone to disappearing on mysterious quote-unquote errands. She speaks many languages, not all of them human, and her bright blue hair actually grows out of her head that way. Who is she? That is the question that haunts her, and she's about to find out. When one of the strangers, beautiful, haunted Akiva, fixes his fire-colored eyes on her in an alley in Marrakesh, the result is blood and starlight, secrets unveiled, and a star-crossed love whose roots drink deep of a violent past. But will Karu live to regret learning the truth about herself? Oof. Oh my god. Great blurb. Great blurb. So good. Leah's read these books. She can attest to how good these are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, fantasy, like big fantasy, um, amazing world building. It starts out in um, in our world, but then kind of goes all over the place because there are other worlds. 
um, that we cross through. And then the second series is um, The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare. And um, if you know of like all her various like Shadowhunter books, um, this series is the prequel to the first Mortal Instruments. Like she started with the Mortal Instruments books one, two, and three, and then she went and wrote the Infernal Devices. And they were actually the first ones of any of the Shadowhunter books that I ever read. And they are to this day still my absolute favorite. Um, And the Faded Mates in this one, it's a Faded Mates love triangle. And it is the best goddamn love triangle I have ever read. Um, It is, and the love triangle is between Tessa Gray, who is, um, she doesn't know at the beginning, but she is a warlock, the daughter of, of warlocks. Um, and the two men are Will Herondale and Jem Carstairs. And Will and Jem are best friends. Um, and they are part of the Shadowhunter world. And what Shadowhunters are is they are descendants of Azrael, and they basically protect the Earth from paranormal creatures. That's like what they're born to do. Um, And then they both fall for Tessa, who ends up being one of these paranormal creatures. Um, And it's just absolutely fantastic. Heartbreaking. It's one of those where when I read, when I finished the third book, um, I was doing it on audio. This is when I was already into my audiobooks. I had to cut, my kids were much younger and I had to come up to my bedroom because I was in the last chapter. I had to come up into my bedroom. They're just like downstairs doing whatever to listen to the final chapter, sobbing, (laughs) sobbing. It was so, so good. But like, yeah, I mean, like, I love a love triangle when it's done well. And this is a love triangle done, in my opinion, spectacularly. So there you go. And they're all faded. I'll just tell you that. They're all faded. Like, they're all soulmates. How how does that work? It does. (laughs) It just does. It does. I'll tell you, it does. (laughs) It's tragic, but it works. And now it's time for our favorite part of every week's episode, our K-pop Rec of the Week. So this week I am going to recommend Drama by Espa. So Espa is spelled A-E-S-P-A. I don't know if I've recommended an Espa song, but I love this song. It just has a lot of attitude. She's like, I got my girls in the back. And I'm like, yeah, like it makes me want to like, it makes me feel like I'm in high school again. I'm like driving around with my friends and I don't know, it just feels girl power. And um, I just, I just think Espa has such a great attitude, um, the the group itself. And I love the, I love the choreography and yeah, it's just a good vibe. So uh, I recommend Drama by Espa. If you enjoy our podcast, you have our patrons to thank, at least in part. Afternoon of Delight Patreon allows us to keep creating content for y'all to enjoy. Thank you so much to everyone who is supporting us there. And not to brag, but our Patreon community is pretty awesome. And you can join at a tier that feels good to you. Gain access to fun perks like K-drama posts, monthly Patreon-only bonus podcasts, and even a live K-drama support group on Zoom because we know firsthand what it's like to have no one to talk to about those crazy plot twists, amazing characters, and all those feelings. And look, no one should have to walk that walk alone. So learn more by visiting afternoonadelight.com. That's www.afternoonadelight.com. And hey, while you're on the website, you can check out Afternoona Delight podcast merch, find links to book recommendations, bop along to our K-pop recs, 
blow up your skin with K Mertrex. Find all of our social media and a link to our email so you can send us recommendations or feedback. And hey, while you're at it, why don't you pop over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? It really helps with our discoverability. Gamsamnida. So, K-dramas have countless examples of the faded mates trope across all genres. We're going to make every effort to talk about these dramas without spoilers, but if we need to spoil something, we will give you a heads up to start. So let's get into it. We're going to start with the first drama that we all watched, which is Crash Landing on You, which is also a great example of contemporary faded mates. I personally didn't catch it like on my first watch that this was a common k-drama trope because i was totally new like the whole like you know past connections and whatever like i was just so every time it happened when i was watching crash landing on you i would audibly gasp i'm like oh my god they bumped into each other here oh my god she saw him here like i was like what this is bananas and then you know i learned that this is a trope this happens all the time in k-dramas and i still love it like i love the hell out of it uh, yeah, so Yoon Suri and Captain Ree, we get to see in flashbacks that there are all these past connections, and it was absolutely fantastic. What was your take on Chloe's example of Faded Mates, and did you see it as Faded Mates when you first watched it? Because we've all watched it multiple times at this point. I mean, yes, so I won't say too much. I did once we, not not right out of the gate, but once we started to see like the interweaving of the backstory more then yes, I felt like there were elements to that, but I feel like both of you, I don't want to take, I don't want to take it all. I don't want to take all the oxygen out of the room with the first answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I was the same as Amy. Like I did not know that this was like a K-drama thing. So to me, I'm just like, this is epic. Like <laughs> Westerns can't do this. And like, I was just, you know, really, really shaken. I don't know that I would have called it Faded Mates at the time maybe i would have i'm not sure now like looking back i wonder if like i would have coined it as that but that that clearly is 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 a k-drama trope it's like contemporary faded mates and i i obviously knew what they were doing as i was watching it i was like oh yeah they're trying to show that they are like meant to be together i think i probably would have called it soulmates at the time maybe but it's just something that like westerns just don't do as well like i'm 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 sorry i can't think of a western that's like gotten me like this um, that do this contemporary fitted mates and then actually give you an HEA. And I will not debate about the Chloe ending. It's an HEA it to me. So it's the most it can be an HEA. Yeah. It, I mean, that's what got me on like the whole freaking K drama journey was, oh my God, you're going to give me contemporary fitted mates? Are you kidding? I know. Like, like I'm like, I didn't I know want- you could do this. <laughs> me too. I was like, this is everything I've wanted in life. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, you can do it like this? This is amazing. That's. I think that's why I was just like, what am I watching? I can't watch anything else. Nothing's going to be this good. I didn't no. know that there were so many more K-dramas that like, you know, do this so well. Yeah. You want me to watch a Nicholas Sparks movie now? Fuck that. <laughs> You're so dogged on Nicholas Sparks. I am. So Look, dogged they on die Nicholas in Nicholas Sparks, Sparks or, yeah. or or they or or they have Alzheimer's and you know it's it's sad. <laughs> like, yes. I don't hate Nicholas Sparks, okay? I no, I know. I, I, I know, but it, but they're they're not AGAs. No. So as we discussed earlier, a great way to up the ante of the will they or won't they in Faded Mates is to have two characters be destined, but also have an obstacle that makes that destiny seem impossible. What are some good K-drama examples of Faded Mates where fate also throws a big old wrench into the plan to keep them apart? (laughs) 
<laughs> I wrote this question so I can talk about it. I know. Go ahead. I mean, it's come a good on. Example. This is a great example. Goblin. It is. Right? Like, the goblin's mm-hmm. bride is meant to pull out the sword that has been goblin's source of torment and pain for centuries. But once she pulls it out, he will finally cease to exist. And that sucks because they fall in love, right? So it's this matter of, like, for 900-plus years, he's wanted to finally just, like, be at peace. And then he finds the Goblin's Bride, and they are soulmates. And he realizes he actually wants to live because he wants to have a life with her, but he can't. Because if he if he stays alive, then fate will come for her if she doesn't pull out the sword. So it's, I mean, talk, like... You know, when, when Kim Shin says it's sad love, I mean, that that is what I was there for. I was for the sad love. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But another great example, because I won't only, you know, I, I, I won't only talk about Goblin like I always do, but another great one, which I recently watched and you guys didn't, and this won't spoil the drama, is Destined With You with Rowan and Jelboa. Um, and what's great about this one, as far as the, you know, fate being a cruel, cruel Biatch is that the couple is doomed by a spell cast over them generations ago, and the only way to break the spell is dun 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 for one of them to die. So it is. I mean, that's a horrible fate. Mm-hmm. And the way that it deals with it, the way that the drama deals with it, I think is really well done. That 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 is a drama, and I talked about it when in the episode that I did with uh, BTS Megan from Afternoon Army. Is that drama really surprised me because it started out. Um, very much not slapstick, but but over the top, leaning into the comedy, and then all of a sudden got so emotional in the second half, and and just kind of floored me. And they did it really well. Uh, so I'm gonna say Healer, and I'm gonna give a spoiler for Healer. And honestly, if you haven't watched Healer and you're listening to this podcast, like turn it off and watch Healer. I don't. I like. I, we're gonna we're gonna spoil Healer from like here on out because just you gotta watch it. Anyway, um, so. The plot of Healer is they're very much kind of, they're very much contemporary faded mates. They knew each other as kids. They played with each other as kids. Remember, they used to like fall asleep together, like holding hands. And they had this like one, uh, it was so great. So, uh, their parents were involved in kind of this like freedom fighter organization from the eighties. And the wrench that go- gets thrown in, uh, in this blossoming romance is, um, they think that the hero's dad, Ji Chong Uk's dad, might have been involved or responsible for her, the heroine's mom's death or who is Parkman Young. And um, yeah, it really feels like they had finally found each other again after again being like faded as children only to be th- this. I mean, obviously there's like going to be like resentment, there's conflict um, and the plot really throws them for a loop kind of in like the 11th hour because that happens towards the end. And then I'm also going to mention See You in My 19th Life. Good one. Which, I mean, I do, I mean, this is, this was good because this was also Faded Mates from generations ago um, where, so the heroine remembers all her past lives. The heroine is Shin Hae-sun. The hero is An Bo-hyun. And uh, in order to so they like had finally found each other again and then and she remembered her past life she knew why she was so drawn to An Bo-hyun because of of who he'd been um to her before and this is a spoiler for see you in my 19th life so skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear it 
uh, okay, go ahead. And, but the, the only way to basically cure her of, of the burden of remembering all her past lives is that she doesn't remember anyone. So they have to like wipe her memory clean. And, uh, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge logic hole. <laughs> it's a huge logic hole, but it's, it's but it amazing because the hero has to then be like, it's okay. Like, I will find you. Like, once, even though you're not going to know who I am, I will find you. I, we are fated, so I know you will fall in love with me again. And it's, and he does, he orchestrates the meeting again. (sighs) And it's pretty freaking cool. So, yeah, it was, I, I, there were some parts of the drama that weren't my favorite. Um, but overall, I loved it. And I loved, I truly loved the ending. Kind of like, not really amnesia, but like, for getting done right. And we didn't get two amnesias. Just, just. <laughs> I'm not. I didn't say what drama I'm talking about. I didn't say what drama I'm talking about. <laughs> amnesia done right is great, but you never need more than one amnesia in a drama. <laughs> I'm just saying, only one. <laughs> All right. So I went with King the Eternal Monarch, which, just in a nutshell, is a fantasy romance that revolves around parallel universes, a multiverse. Mm-hmm. really so we are in kingdom of korea with a c where even ho plays the emperor Egon, who discovers a portal to an alternate universe which is is ours and crosses paths with a detective um Tae-ul. and so together they do a lot of parallel universe crossing some of it makes a lot of sense and is great some not so much but when he was a little boy and he almost got some killing happening to him from his murdering uncle, somebody helped him and he kept their photo card through the ages and it's got Taeul's face. And so when he sees Taeul in modern Korea with a K, he's approaching her with that knowledge and she has no idea who he is. So again, we've just got like, that's some of the, that's also what's fun with faded mates is when one of them has a sense that you're fated to me in some way. And the other is like, I have no idea. Right. What it's about. super fun. That's also a fun part of the, tr- like that's a way you can handle the faded mate trope. Surprise, surprise. Sarah J. Moss does this as well. Uh, in some of her books where, you know, one of them knows that they are the fated mate of the other. The other has no clue. Like there's just, I like that element as yeah, well. In fated that's mates. super fun. I actually sort of forgot about that part of King. If you, if you're listening and you like that part of King, watch a time called you. Cause it's like that part of King over and over and over and over oh. and over again. <laughs> And I mean that in a good way. I love, I I love the King Eternal Monarch. I love a time like yeah, such but good. That's very much what you're looking at with a time called you. It's like it's like trying to figure out the the timeline when it's and there's doppelgangers. Yeah. Oh God. The doppelgangers is what like I'm like what is who is who and what is what. It's (laughs) bonkers, but so good. So what is a great fantasy or paranormal Faded Mates K-drama? Explain how or why it works and why it ranks high on your list. One of my top, 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 tops, Alchemy of Souls. And I don't want to spoil Alchemy of Souls too much for people. Where do you even start? I know, for people who watch (laughs) it. All I will say is that Alchemy of Souls is an example of falling in love with the soul and not the body. Mm-hmm. It also is a 
drama where we ask a lot of questions of how the soul travels during uh, intercourse. But, you know, that's a whole other story. Um, but, yeah, I don't want yeah, I don't want to give anything away because Alchemy of Souls has some great, great surprises in it. But the whole point of Alchemy of Souls and the reason why it works so well, um, because Alchemy of Souls, if you haven't watched it, um, basically it takes place in a fantasy realm um, that seems very much like possibly like, you know, like a Seguk. But instead, we've got mages and it's like this, you know, this kingdom of mages. And um, there is a mage who learns a dark magic that's called the Alchemy of Souls, where you can basically swap souls with another body um, and uses it for for bad, bad things. Um, And then the whole like sort of premise of the drama then is trying to find soul shifters and do away with them because soul shifters have to feed off of other human life to survive. And that makes them, you know, bad, bad things to have around, bad people to have around. Um, And then if you don't feed, you petrify. And it's a very terrible end for the soul shifter. So a lot of great magic happening there. And also a lot of great magic keeping the hero and heroine apart because of the whole soul shifting situation. I won't say who's a soul shifter and who's not. Um, But yeah, just the fact that And it, I I think it's a testament to the acting in this drama as well, because we as the viewers have to love the soul more than the body to Mm -hmm. get behind the story. Yeah, we do too. And it was souls. I like that's the best I can say without spoiling it because I don't want to spoil it because I want everybody to watch this drama. But that's why I think it's done so well is that I as the viewer loved the soul. Alchemy of Souls was one of the best K drama viewing experiences I've had. Yeah, like truly. Yeah, it was one of my one of my favorite dramas that I've ever watched, and I will watch it again sometime when I have when I have time to you know sift through thirty episodes. All right, so I am going to do us a favor and talk about one that we haven't talked about much or ever. I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this. Maybe I've like mentioned it once in passing. So this is Splash Splash Love. And here's my sales pitch for Splash Splash Love. It is so short. So it's so short that they put it together and it's essentially like two hours and you can just watch it in two hours. Like the episodes were like 26 minutes or something like that. It is a time travel Sega, but here's the thing. It's so short. There's no filler. There's no time for palace industry. There's no time for bullshit. It is just straight to the happy, cute romance that's almost got like, it's not YA because he's a king, but she's a high, she's a 19 year old high school student who doesn't like math. And she also can time travel like through like kind of being like gifted. And one day it's real rainy. She's real pissy and she approaches a puddle and there's like, I think it's like drums or there's like music playing through the puddle and she gets like curious and she jumps and when she jumps through the puddle she ends up in um joseon korea and she is then a unit like disguised as a eunuch which you know i love a gender bending you know trope disguises as a eunuch the king falls for her and they're also having a pretty difficult situation there's like an epidemic there's droughts happening and they fall in love kind of figure stuff out but then of course like she has to go like he's like you can stay but she like 
has her family in her life and so like has to go back and they handle it well it does have an hea but there's a sense of like and that's what's fun with time travel is that like you i think that's where faded mates can be cool too like you come back in time for what reason and i'm kind of playing around with this right now writing a time travel too that i think this is my first book i've ever written that's like leaning into some faded mates and i think it's the same thing like somehow through the pull of time and like anywhere you could go you're ending up with this particular person and why and what does that mean so i would just say if you're ever in the mood for just a very cute fluffy like you're just gonna watch it's not a movie it doesn't vibe like a movie it vibes like a tiny drama and when you finish it you're just super happy and you've watched it in one night i just looked it up and I don't know why. I, I You've mentioned it before. I don't know why I haven't watched it. Um, and and Anya Sub's in it. He's not the lead, but he's in it. So that's yeah. that's that sells me. What I what I love yeah. every time we start talking about uh, a time travel with um, Seguk, it seems to be water that is the vehicle, yes. which I think is really interesting. And in my it is. book, yeah. it's water I love as it. well. I love it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. And I, so my sales pitch is no intrigue and zero filler. If you just want pure romance that's cute and fun and there's just like the Sagok vibes of like historical and like, you know, worlds apart type of stuff, like Megan, this could be for you too. There's just, it's, right. n- no, it's it sounds n- super fun. None of the stuff you like in all of the smoochiness that you do like. And she wears no bow tie because she goes back in time. <laughs> nice. Um, this is not a faded mate story, but just made me think of this drama and I haven't mentioned it. So I'm just going to do a little segue. There's a BL time travel Seguk called Tinted with You. And the vehicle with which he travels back is a painting. Because he meets like a... So he goes back in time and he meets a prince who painted this painting that like he goes into. And but the prince's life is... It's uh, for the... It's very short. I mean, it's a very short Korean BL. It's not complicated. It's not the greatest one I've ever seen. But it is so sweet. It's like very... If you just want something like quick and like makes you smile, it's this. It sounds like... It's not like murdery, but he is like his life is threatened and sort of this guy who comes back from the past has to like, uh, like save his life. But it's less dramatic than it sounds. But it's funny because he's wearing like his his like, you know, historical dress, but he's wearing like sneakers (laughs) throughout like a lot of the drama. And it's just really cute. They're really cute together. And they they have like some cute kisses. And it's sweet. So anyway, it's called Tinted with You. If you want something short and sweet. Okay, so as far as favorite fantasy or paranormal love between fairy and devil, it's in my top five. Every time I think about it, I get the belly flutters because I loved it that much. I'm actually going to talk a little bit more about it later. I'm sorry that I'm like double dipping on Love Between Fairy and Can Devil. never talk too quest. much about Love Between Fairy. Yeah, but Amy asked another question. I feel the need to talk about it. But so I'm just going to say that to me, this drama hits the beats and elicits extreme emotion from me, like extreme. Um, and it's about like two completely opposites. Uh, it's like a, a devil and a sweet little fairy goddess um and they learn to love and also learn like the lengths they'll go to do for each other because they'll go far faded mates with body swapping fun stuff oh yeah and there's body and, swapping. like super emotional oh. too so, like good i God. might rewatch that's how much i love that drama. it's so long too it's so long and i'll i'll rewatch um what is another example other than cloy of a contemporary faded mates or a Seguk faded mates in a k-drama and, you know, why does it work and why does it rank high on your list? Okay, so I'm going to talk about Go Back Couple. 
which is another time travel one, but it's contemporary. So I consider I consider that a contemporary example. Um, so spoiler alert, if you haven't watched Go Back Couple. Um, but again, it's a faded mates and it's a romance. So you know how it's most likely going to end. But um, gosh, I love this drama. And it, it's been coming up a lot lately when, when we have discussions. And it's kind of making me feel like I might need to do a rewatch. Um, from what I remember, this wasn't a really long drama either. So I might need to go back to it. I feel like we can call contemporary time travel contemporary, right? Because they stay, they stay in, you know, within like 10, 15 years of their lives. So in Go Back Couple, Choi Bando, played by San Ho Jun, and Ma Jin Ju, played by Zhang La Ra, are a married couple who are on the brink of divorce. Like we see them in like the most stressed out like point of their marriage to the point where, you know, divorce is being filed. And then they both happen to travel back in time to when they were 20, right before they met in college. When they see each other back in time, they realize that they are both their future selves. Like they figure it out pretty quickly and basically decide we are not going to make the same mistake again. We are not going to, you know, start dating. We're not going to fall for each other. Like this is, you know, we're going to fix it by not falling for each other again. Um, But... In being back in time in their 30-something mindset, in their 20-year-old selves, they kind of see each other differently, and they they learn new things about each other and fall for each other in a different way, like fall for each other as adults, even though they're in their, you know, their, their college bodies. And it's just, I don't know, it... This is one of those dramas that just really got me. And it was recommended by Grace from Afternoon Asks. And I feel like Grace just knows what I need to watch. (laughs) Usually when Grace makes a suggestion and I watch it, I'm like, yep. Like, why did I wait so long to watch that? So thank you, Grace. I will always thank you for having us watch this drama because it is one that I love very, very much. And I feel like this is a really great twist on Faded Mates in that these are people that forgot that they loved each other and are ready to end it and then fall for each other all over again. I love that. It's like therapy. <laughs> yeah. Time travel therapy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I've talked about this one in the past, so I will not belabor it too much, but I went with Moon Lovers because, look, we have water as the time traveling vector. I think for me, most of the fade mates I could think of ended up in K-drama. Like, I, I couldn't think of many contemporary examples. Um, to well, that's why I threw in Seguk. Like, so you could do contemporary are- or Seguk. Yeah. yeah, that's why I'm back in yeah. my cigarettes. <laughs> and um, and so Moon Lovers for me, yes, because again, we have a uh, character, IU, who at the beginning is rescuing a drunk tourist from a body of water and in the process ends up going back into, uh, I don't even know if it's Goryeo. It's when they were like still like the different kingdoms. Um, so before it was united um, into, yeah, so I think it is Goryeo. Okay, so yeah, she kind of comes at the very beginning of the Goryeo dynasty. So the kingdoms have uh, just recently combined. There's still a lot of tension. And her character, so she, her character is a thousand years back in time. And not only that, she's trapped in the body of someone else who just happens to look exactly that works. Like her. Right. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, she's like the handmaiden of a wealthy lady and basically is like fated to be with one of the brothers who, but who will it be, you know, is like the conceit of the drama, like, you know, 
all the brothers are hot for her and only one can be the winner and so yeah she passes through oceans of time it makes me think whenever i think of faded mates i think of dracula which i'm obsessed with i watched it recently i can't say i felt like it held up strongly like it was not like as i watched it, i was not like this is a fucking brilliant movie and saying that it's still awesome like i fucking love it and gary oldman could fuck me with nothing but to say like he, he could eat my neck in nothing but toe socks and i would let him in this but in it is like when dracula finally finds his missing because i mean dracula faded mate like that brown stroker's dracula is all faded mates and when he's like in his like thick transylvanian accents like i've crossed oceans of time mm-hmm. to find you that's how i feel like that's the kind of faded mates i'm going for with my kate rebel recommendations and so in this at the end we have this idea that yes in love you may figure out ways to cross oceans of time to find someone and you will bend time to your your manly will to do what needs to be done you will crawl through a tunnel of love cave for 20 hours you will cross a bridge in hell with flying knives and you will board a plane knowing you're gonna die those are all things (laughs) not saying what drama is there from but those are all things that yeah so the one I'm going to mention obviously does not do that. And arguably, this might not be Faded Mates. I think it's Faded Mates. And it's uh, my podcast, so... But I'm going to talk about Rain or Shine, which we just did a podcast on, so you can go. But to me, Rain or Shine really felt like Faded Mates. Just the coincidences that they've been thrust together. But basically, they both uh, survived a mall collapse. And they were trapped together uh, when they were kids. They were like teenagers. And they later meet as adults, and she does not remember. I think she's kind of like trauma blocks it out. But he does remember that it's her, but he doesn't tell her. Because he basically doesn't want her to remember the trauma. He's like, I hope she never remembers me. Which always got me. That he's just like, I'm willing to like not share my trauma. Like, he's, like I'd be like, dude, don't you remember? I'm going to tell you all the ways that we went through this trauma together so you... Oh, I can. (laughs) Right. Misery loves company kind of thing. (laughs) Whereas he's like, no way. I hope you never remember me. I hope you never. I just I don't. I want you to keep forgetting. Oh, when he when he hugs her in the stairwell, when he breaks down and she doesn't know why. And he's like, are you really okay?" And she's like, what are you talking about? And he just cries and hugs her. Oh, right. Love it. And all the ways. Yeah. All the ways they like came together, all the ways they seemed, and all the ways she understood him even while not remembering that that they experienced this trauma together. All of that, to me, um, really felt like contemporary faded mates and was still, you know, it's still one of my, one, it's one of my favorite contemporary K-dramas. And, oh, and fate is definitely throwing wrenches in there <sighs> in episode 16. So I'm still mad. <laughs> I, I didn't need that fate. Like, I didn't need that wrench at all. Yeah. Thank you. Until mm-hmm. the last nine minutes of the drama. I will never be over that. But like, I know. Yeah. Me either. <laughs> okay. So answering this will definitely merit some spoilers. So we'll give a heads up for, you know, the dramas we're talking about. But what is a great example of how two destined lovers overcame fate trying to keep them apart? So I'm going back to the two dramas that I brought up, the two Goblin and Destined with You. And um, I think... I think I'll do Goblin because I don't want Destined with You is too new. I don't want to spoil that for people who haven't seen it. So I'm going to talk about the end of Goblin, which if you don't know by now, like 
I don't know how you don't know. So the whole thing is if she pulls the knife out, if she pulls the sword out, he basically disappears into nothingness. And she's forced to do so when he's battling the baddie purple tongue ghost, <laughs> you know, in in uh, the middle of the drama. And the sword in his chest, the magical sword in his chest, is the only way that he can vanquish this bad ghost who wants to kill her. And so he makes her pull it like she has her hands on the sword and he helps her pull it out. And then he goes and, you know, slashes the baddie and the baddie disappears. And then so does Kim Shin. And that is one of the most painful scenes I think I've ever witnessed in a drama. It is. Is when Jiyun Tak, when she, they're on the roof of a building and she collapses to her knees and is just hysterical as he's disappearing. And as she's trying to scribble in the notebook? Scribble in her notebook to remember him because... That's rough. Because she's going to forget him. And and she does. Okay, so here's here's the part of it. So she scribbles in the notebook, and after a time, she forgets that he ever existed, yet she still lives with, like, this inexplicable melancholy. Like, she takes antidepressants. She doesn't know why she's so miserable. She doesn't know why she just goes home and cries sometimes. It's because she has a piece of her soul missing. Um, Meanwhile, when Kim Shin goes into the great nothingness, it happens to be Siberia (laughs) or something like Siberia, where he's just back in his like Goryeo garb um, with his Goryeo mullet and it's snow everywhere. And he's just all chapped. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just chapped Kim Shin. Needs some lip balm. Needs some lip balm badly. (laughs) It needs a drink of water and some lip balm. And... And the gods somehow they take pity on him and they, you know, for for what he did throughout his life, because he, he was a good goblin um, and they take pity on him for for falling for the goblin's bride and they let him go back. Um, but the thing is, she doesn't know who the hell he is. And so he just basically starts kind of stalking her a little bit. It's harmless, harmless stalking. Stalks her all the way to where he thinks she's going to meet with a man in Quebec and and really, she's not. Um, the person that he had had a vision earlier of her having dinner with was actually himself. Um, and it's in Quebec where something happens, and she finally remembers him and remembers how to summon him. And she runs to this like shop that happens to have a, a lantern or a candle burning outside, and she blows out the candle, and she's hysterically crying, and he reappears. And, oh, yay, fate has brought us back together again. In time for us to get married and me to get hit by a white truck of death. <laughs> but how do they beat fate one more time? Oh, yeah. She reincarnates. Yeah, she reincarnates. And she Gotta remembers him. Good yeah. So the second the second most painful scene I've ever witnessed is Kim Shin in the tea shop um, where, you know, she goes to pass on, you know, with Reaper into uh, the great beyond. But she chooses not to drink the tea that's, so that she will remember him and... Right. She finds him again in Megan's favorite outfit with her school uniform. Frickin' school uniform <laughs> on again. Jesus. So, yeah. So, I mean, like, Fate is a, a, a tricky, tricky trickster um, in Goblin because it brings them together, pulls them apart, brings them together, pulls them apart, brings them together. And hopefully they stay together this, this lifetime. Because he waits, he waits years and years and years yeah. for her yeah, walking around he wearing got, her red scarf. Got turn 18. Yeah. <laughs> 20. 20 in, in Goblin. Got turned 20. Right. <laughs> it's my favorite. Still my favorite. I know, I know. 
All right. So I'm going to do Tale of the Nine Tales. <laughs> That's a good one. Which I was going to mention this one earlier, and then I saw that you mentioned it. So, I'm so glad. Um, which is totally fine. I just want to mention that I completely, like, I, this is a great it example. Is. I love it. And, and so I'm happy that Leah brought it up. So we have Eon, who is an ancient Gumio, uh, or Ninetale Fox. And he is also a former guardian mountain spirit, now living the drudge life in modern Seoul. And he kind of works for this agent of the afterlife immigration office. So one thing that is fun about this is just like, I really do love when there's like an element of bureaucracy to kind of magic yes. and afterlife. Yes, it's too. so fun. Yeah. And so his job that he has to do is eradicate supernatural beings that threaten the mortal world. So he's on a mission to capture a fox that has eaten the livers of many a human and is now marrying a man in the guise of being a human woman. And while he's doing that, he is spotted by Gia, who is a producer of a TV station. And she's like hot in the case and a bunch of stuff happens that I'm not going to get into because, you know, we'd be here all night. But here's what's really important is that Gia looks to be a good candidate to be the reincarnation of Aum, who was a human who was the first and really only, I guess, love of Eon. So she dies at the hands of Eon while trying to save him from Amugi, who is the hottest evil earth dragon to ever want to inhabit the body of a guardian mountain spirit. So this, this creature essentially is kind of like not a dragon, dragon but more of like a snaky dragon is like the the true form of amugi so amugi kind of like almost wins the day in like round well actually doesn't tries to win the day death intervenes they get separated and there's a moment where Aum is crossing the samdo river which is a little bit like the greek river sticks like you know it's like the the river that's going to take you to the afterlife and forgetting and moving on instead he kisses her gives her this fox bead and says, please get reincarnated and I will find you in time. So kind of, again, that that conceit we're talking about in See You in My 19th Life. Like, I will find you. Like, it's the Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> Stay alive. Like, Stay alive. <laughs> I will find you. <laughs> so through the centuries, Jan has encountered several lookalike Aums, but none have borne the fox bead. And it doesn't look like Gia has the fox bead in her either. This is a quibble for I, another like, day of like... <laughs> I like, still like, don't understand. All I can come up. I still don't understand. Yeah. All I can say is that she swallowed that fox bead fucking hard. <laughs> like it is in her lower intestine, and it is having a hard time getting coming out. <laughs> <laughs> but what we have is like here we have the faded mates reunite. Spoiler: that fox bead, even if it's in her colon, it's in there. It's just like you know, it takes a while. Mm-hmm. But a moogie's back, and a moogie's not here to play. A <laughs> <laughs> and so we've had them already separated come through time he's finally fucking found her faded mates activated and then we've got fucking amugi pretending to be like the intern terry with the <laughs> lanyard making coffees and photocopies <laughs> and this time he doesn't just want yon's body he's also hankering after jia's heart and not just to eat it like, I think he wants to, like, live as Dark Lord and Emperor with her or something. I don't know. So basically, what we have is a 
bunch of supernatural beings standing between them and their reunion. And how far can, you know, this little feisty human who's just reincarnating to find her nine-tailed mountain spirit, like, they're sitting there trying to protect their love and beat back the hellish beings that crave their body and hearts <laughs> and want to also be their body. And I would also say Yugi is, like, fairly fluid in his love because i think there's a lot of sexual feelings for yeah. young too uh, oh i mean 100 uh, i still can't get over that this uh, is how like i was introduced <laughs> to itary in like a big you know in a big role and like everything else i've seen him in he's like this little marshmallow and i love him so much remember you were like yeah. you know imugi wants his god bod <laughs> 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 yeah, Amugi um, just wants the bot. He just wants the Amugi bot. Was, I mean, Amugi could get it. He could hatch eggs in my mouth. Oh, day. stop it! <laughs> the inexplicable egg barfing, bloody egg barfing uh, yeah. that had no. I mean, you don't. Maybe it was orgasmic. Oh, gross! <laughs> yeah, you you rub one out every time you pop an egg. <laughs> So are you going to tell us how they overcome this 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 yeah. problem? Because that's that's the whole point we of the question. How did they? How, how do they how overcome they? it? How do they do it? They fucking beat the baddie and win. <laughs> that's how they overcome it. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, and it, they they beat the baddie so bad that baddie is not coming back no more, no more. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. We also still. I mean, I didn't watch 1938 to figure out what the plot twist was. To figure it's time out travel because right. So they beat they beat the baddie so bad that they had to do a prologue to come back in time to have another conflict because they they beat a moogie. So they had to make something brand new. Yeah, they had to make something brand new, and they did. It was it was uh, honestly, and it wasn't at 1934. Yeah, I did not. I know it was 38. I didn't watch the 1930. 30, it was 38. Yeah. Okay. It was good. Yeah. It was good. I, I'm I'm just saying it was good. I just good. felt so satisfied with a Moogie. Or I felt so satisfied <laughs> with where we left it. I just don't need to pick it up. But there. if you want a drama that just keeps going off the rails in many different directions. I don't, though. I don't No, like no, no, no. That's what the first one is. <laughs> That's what the first tale is. Oh, yes. Second one. The second one's more cohesive. The second one's. Oh, for sure. Honestly, the second one was good. Like I'm, I think that I'm still gonna finish people... it. I just have gotten sidetracked. Yeah, I think people are. But it here's a the thing: does does Eon pop out a baby arm of sexual desire on his neck? No, because because two? his Gia is in the present day, so he just he just yeah. he just he's just waiting to get back time. to her. But there is, but so but there, you, we do get to see Eon come face to face with Eon of the past. Yeah, and Kim Bum gets the romance. Yeah. Does he make out with himself? No. Eon? No. No. It's, it is a, but they do talk. It is a funny meeting. Funny. Yeah. It's no, but Kim Bum gets a romance with a mermaid. Kim Bum gets a romance with a mermaid. And honestly, it's really sweet. I liked it. Do we see anything interesting in terms of mermaid sex? No. No. It's not a very sexy one. But it's yeah. really good. He doesn't like part the scales. <laughs> good God. No. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> no. I would start it today if that was the case. Uh, no, unfortunately. It's like a little sliding swing door. Oh my god. Like, whoop. Are you done? Because I like a little hinge. <laughs> Didn't you say you wanted to get through this in less than an hour? We're at an hour 26. I did. Okay, let's wrap Okay, up. well, I still no, have Megan gets hers! I get my turn. She gets her my day time. in the sun. 
<laughs> okay. <sighs> so I'm going to talk. This is when I'm going to talk a little bit more about Love Between Fairy and Devil. I'm not going to go extreme, but basically it's about a demon god who um, somehow contracts a one heart curse with um, a, a woman who he thinks is just like a fairy from, you know, like the heaven realm. Uh, her name is Orchid. And he thinks that's really all she is, is like kind of a run of the mill fairy. Do- uh, a spoiler. P.S. I'm going to talk about spoilers for Love Between Fairy and Devil. But she's actually a reincarnated goddess. Gotta love a good reincarnation. So they ha- they they have this one heart curse, which basically means they can share emotion and uh, the pain of each other, I think. But definitely, like, if one dies, the other dies. Okay? It's like they have one heart. But fate really wants to keep them. Like, everyone. Everyone wants to keep them apart. Like, Moon Supreme's people want to keep them apart. Orchid's heavenly people want to keep them apart. No one wants them together. But they are forced together by fate to begin with because of this one heart curse. Um, but then as they fall for each other, uh, things really, they, they have to let them battle essentially against fate because they realize they love each other and they go through a ridiculous amount for each other. Uh, the, the Remember the part where she, she, her, all of moon Supreme's people don't really trust her. And so she's like, I will prove it. And she goes into that like hell coffin thing. Where she basically lets, like, burns alive for a while? Like, days? <laughs> for a while. Right? It's, like, a long time that she's just, like, in there suffering. And when she emerges, his people are like, oh, well, shit. <laughs> I guess. I guess she. <laughs> she's legit. I guess she's pretty. Yeah, she's legit. I guess she's she's pretty cool after all. All right. There's a scene where... Moon Supreme essentially is is willing to die. His like body is like burning up, um, or like his eternal what was that like eternal flame or something like that. Um, he's dying, but he's willing to die because he is in this dream with Orchid. So he thinks Orchid is dead, and so he is in this dream with her where they're happy, and he won't wake up. And they're like, if he doesn't wake up, he's gonna die. He and and he will suffer, and he doesn't want to wake up. Because he just wants to instead stay in this dream with Orchid. Um, But then he does wake up. And the way he brings her back is he essentially grows her again. He grows her like a plant. Like baby Groot. Like baby Groot. And he he works so hard. Because there is a baddie. Like there is is a big baddie that she she basically has to sacrifice herself to be. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too. She sacrifices herself to help him. She's like, I know I'm the only one who can do this. So I'm going to sacrifice. I did say this a little out of order. So she sacrifices herself. But yet he regrows her. Yeah. It's, cr- I mean, I could, the whole drama basically is them sacrificing for each other, like back and forth, truly. But yet it's always done in a way that furthers the plot. So it doesn't really feel, I didn't think it felt repetitive. They're, they're fated to be together. Yeah. I mean, they are fated mates. They share a heart. And the way they start to fall in love and then the ways that they sacrifice for each other and they both do it. Like it was one, it was one thing too, where this romance felt so even to me and they consistently, they do choose each other. I mean, there are many times where Orchid is given the chance to leave him because at one point he like kind of kidnaps her. We're just going to forget about that. But she's given a chance to like leave and go home. And she's like, you know what? No, I I choose Moon Supreme, and then he gives her a piggyback, and it's fantastic. It's so, <laughs> it's so and, good. Um, yeah, so 
this the whole drama is them overcoming fate. Like they're, they're fate pushes them together and then tries to tear yeah. them apart. And it's them saying, no, 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 you put us together. We're fated now. And we are going to do this. And we are going to find a way to be with each other. And they do. And it's magical. And I love it. Good examples. So did we forget anything? Anything we didn't mention about fated mates? I think we, um, it, it just, I mean, any examples of a fated mates drama that didn't work for you? <laughs> and I asked this I don't have one, and I think I know. I know. I just (laughs) I'm being I'm being mean. I protest. I I just I I know. I just feel I always want to dog on the the her private her private life. No, dog on just the past connection. I'm not going to spoil it. I don't like it. I'm not going to spoil it. I don't like that. I like the drama. I don't like, and I also don't like what Megan's dogging. I don't like. (laughs) I just I agree with both of these, and I just don't like the past the past connection. I don't like the past connection. Yeah, so I said what's wrong with Secretary Kim because yeah, I just don't I don't like the past connection. I don't even think it was needed for what's wrong with Secretary Kim, but yeah, I mean, whatever. Well, <laughs> it's not it's not the connection that's bad, it's the way that it's dealt with in both of them that that I think is bad. I mean, I think I yeah. think they're bad connect They're that's not fair. bad connections in that it's bad that they were connected. It's the events that connected them are kind of horrific. Mm-hmm. And then the way that they're dealt with are kind of bonkers. But yeah, they're, bonkers. They're, it's a K-drama way of dealing with things, which I appreciate, but I didn't appreciate mm-hmm. it so much with these two. So I'm sorry. Yeah. I love both these dramas, but we dog on we dog on the past stuff a little bit. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, it's kind of fun to do that it sometimes. Is. So, yeah, well, this was a fun... I love this trope. I love this trope yeah. so much. This was really fun to talk about. Please let us know, uh, like, what topics or tropes or whatever that you want us to cover. Because, I mean, we have a list, but, like, we want to hear from you. But also recommend us some good Faded Mates that you don't think we've watched yet. If you've got some good dramas that are Faded Mates dramas. Yes, please do. Please do. I think that's it. So uh, thanks for listening. And we will get you next time. Annyeong! Kamsamnida. Thank you for listening to Afternoon of Delight. Where can you find us outside the pod? Head on over to AfternoonOfDelight.com. That's A-F-T-E-R-N-O-O-N-A-D-E-L-I-G-H-T dot com. You'll find links to all our social media, our book recs, K-pop and K-skincare recs, and if you want even more Afternoon of Delight, because really who doesn't, you can join our Patreon, where you can choose the patron level that's right for you. Join in daily K-drama conversations, listen to bonus podcast episodes just for patrons, and participate in our monthly live K-drama support group via Zoom. We can't wait for you to be a part of the community. Until next time, annyeong!